0: This is Latin Pulse, a weekly analysis of news and public affairs in Latin America, brought to you through the cooperation of the School of Communications at Webster University, the Global University, headquartered in St. Louis, Missouri, and Link TV. And now, here's host Rick Rockwell. Bienvenidos and welcome to Latin Pulse. This week, with the Academy Awards headed our way in the United States, it's all about Latin American cinema. We'll talk to the director of the Best Foreign Film nominee, Embrace of the Serpent, from Colombia, and we'll have another tour through notable films from Brazil. But first, Natalie Oettinger has our weekly review of news from around Latin America.
1: U.S. President Barack Obama wants to close down the detention facilities at the Guantanamo Naval Base in Cuba. And he submitted his latest plan to do just that to Congress this week. The president contends the facility harms America's reputation because of controversial interrogation techniques formerly used at the detention center. Some human rights organizations say the U.S. used torture at Guantanamo.
2: Keeping this facility open is contrary to our values. It undermines our standing in the world. It is viewed as a stain on our broader record of upholding the highest standards of rule of law.
1: Currently, Guantanamo has 91 prisoners, primarily from the U.S. conflicts in Afghanistan and the Middle East linked to the war on terror. President Obama signed an executive order to close the prison facility during his first week in office, but Congress has regularly blocked his efforts to close the prison camp. Republican leaders in Congress vowed this week to again block the president, and also to deny his request to lift the U.S. embargo on Cuba. Obama's efforts come ahead of his planned trip to Cuba next month. Cuba's president, Raul Castro, has decided the best defense against the Zika virus is an offensive, so he's called out the Cuban military to fight mosquitoes. This follows a similar move by Brazil's president, Dilma Rousseff, earlier this month. Rousseff deployed Brazil's military in special efforts at mosquito eradication. So far, Zika has not come to Cuba, but cases have already shown up elsewhere in the Caribbean, such as Puerto Rico. At least 9,000 Cuban troops are already out daily, spraying communities to reduce mosquito populations. Much of the Zika infection has centered in Brazil, a country reporting hundreds of cases of birth defects linked to the virus. Usually, Zika produces only mild symptoms in those who catch the virus, which is spread by mosquitoes, but pregnant women with the virus face the risk their children may be born with microcephaly, a condition that causes brain damage. Zika is also having an effect on the Rolling Stones. The famous British band opened the Brazilian segment of its Latin American tour this past weekend. But Stones guitarist, Ron Wood, said this week that his pregnant wife was no longer touring with the band due to fears about Zika. Earlier this month, Wood and his wife, Sally, announced they were expecting twins. That announcement came during the Stones tour of Argentina. Sally Wood is 38 years old. Ron Wood is the youngest member of the Rolling Stones, and he's 68 years old. Zika is currently found in every country between Brazil and the United States, and in some countries in the Caribbean. The Stones, by the way, end up their Latin American tour in Mexico next month. Colombia's peace talks are back on track this week, but both sides now say they will likely miss their goal of having a peace treaty ready by late next month. The talks broke down recently after a Colombian rebel group, the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia, the FARC, decided to send their negotiators to areas where armed rebels are still active. One of the conditions of the talks is that negotiators not appear publicly with armed rebels. Bolivia's president, Evo Morales, is coming to terms with losing his bid for a fourth term. Voters in Bolivia rejected a constitutional amendment that would have allowed Morales to run the country for 20 years. The vote was close, with 51% of voters turning down the amendment. Morales has already served as president for more than 10 years, the longest-serving president in Bolivian history. His current term ends in four years. For Latin Pulse, I'm Natalie Ottinger.
0: Thanks, Natalie. This week, we visit with Colombian filmmaker Ciro Guerra, the director of Embrace of the Serpent. Guerra's film opened last weekend in the United States to strong reviews and good box office, and he'll be in Los Angeles this weekend for the U.S. Academy Awards. Embrace of the Serpent is the only Latin American film nominated in the Best Foreign Language category, and it's the first Colombian film ever nominated for an Oscar. Embrace of the Serpent is set in the Amazonian region of Colombia and it's loosely based upon the travels of two explorers of the rainforest in the 20th century. We talked to Guetta about his film via Skype from Bogota, Colombia and you may be able to hear the city's busy streets and other sounds during this interview.
2: The Amazonia in Colombia is about half of the country. It's a very big region. It's about the size of France but it's a it's a region that is that has been neglected and forgotten for so long, and that is not a, that, that is for us Colombians it's a big mystery. You know, it's just half of our map, but it's a region that we know very little about. So I had a, I had a lifelong curiosity about it to learn about it too, I and mean, I had done two very personal previous films that had dealt with the uh, personal issues of family and. Personal experience and culture, and I wanted to get away from that and just go take a journey into the unknown and invite the viewer to this journey into the unknown. So uh, I thought uh, the Amazon. I started doing some research in the Amazon. It has been a, a lifelong dream of mine. And then, as I as I started reading about it, I came upon the journals of the explorers, and uh, I found I found them fascinating. I was, I was riveted by them, uh, by this not the story that they that I could see in, in them. And uh, and once I did I discovered them like there was no turning back for me. I had to make the movie.
0: Also when we think about Colombia, we don't often think about indigenous peoples and, and so I wondered if part of your intent was also to to educate the audience about the existence of these people.
2: I think yes, these are people that say whose existence is is barely known and and we have seen very very little of them and very and very few stories that uh, talk to us about their experience I think uh, there's modern uh, society is can be somewhat daunting and it can be and I feel that a lot of people are getting a bit tired of the modern life way of life and uh, there are a lot of, a lot of people that are going into spiritual searches looking for new ways of thinking new ways of being and i think this film has spoken to that to, to them in that regard but it's, it's a film that it's it will speak to you if you are interested in the spiritual but it will also speak to you if all you want to do is have a a good time and eat popcorn and have an adventure it will also speak to, to you if you are interested in history so yeah, it's it, like I said, it's opens for, for for viewers with different uh, mindsets and different interests.
0: So a, a film that has multiple layers, a deep film, was there any intent to steer the message about spirituality as you proceeded through the film?
2: Uh, no, I don't. I don't believe in in in, in films being about message. Uh, I think uh, uh, the message is the film itself. If it, if it had a message otherwise that i could uh, convey into a, into a few sentences or into words then i wouldn't have made the film uh, i would have done something else but i think films have a an opportunity to be something to be about uh, something that cannot be spoken cannot be said um, i think uh, like i said films are uh, and this film is also hoping to trigger your imagination
0: let me ask you uh, a bit about the filmmaking itself. You, you went to the Amazon in Colombia. Uh, you were there for, for many weeks. What challenges was it for you to be filming in that particular environment?
2: Um, yes, it's an environment in which everything is challenging. It's a place. Um, you don't have any of the facilities uh, that you have in other places to make films. It's a, it's a place that uh, when you go there, you're sort of going back in time. And so it's a place that you have to bring everything to. We shot in a very remote area, and uh, we were prepared for for it to be very difficult, because uh, you we have heard the stories of other films that were being made in environments like this and how they turned into hell. And we were prepared, you know, we were prepared for the worst. But uh, thankfully, we, what, we did, what we knew was that uh, we, it, was, it wasn't going to work if we tried to bring the logic of a foreign production into the Amazon. We needed to be respectful of the place and to let the place uh, unfold itself in its own logic and work in that logic. So we, we invited the indigenous communities of the Amazon to be a part of the film. They came on board and they helped us to rewrite the script. They were an integral part of the cast and the crew, and they also taught us and guided us into working with the jungle, not against the jungle. So even though we were prepared for it to be very, very hard, and, and even though the, it was definitely a very demanding shoot, it was a very, also a very nice experience, a very beautiful, humbling experience in which there were none of the bad things that we were prepared to happen. We had no diseases. We had no accidents. The weather was helping us. We saw all kinds of animals, but no one was beaten or attacked by anything. Uh, and, we, and we felt that the jungle was giving us gifts, you know, give, uh, special moments uh, that uh, we managed to capture in the film.
0: I wonder about, you mentioning there, the, the gifts of the jungle and the animals. There are times in the film where I feel that has the sense of a nature documentary. You have um, marvelous footage of of different animals in their natural habitat. Any secrets that you can reveal about how you how you did that? Are you a bit of a documentarian?
2: We shot uh, several animals that just appeared. Say, and then we would say shoot, and the cinematographer had the, knew that if we saw spe- something special, we, he should shoot it. So basically, yeah, there are animals that just happened to be there, and we shot them, and they became a part of the film. Also, we had some scenes that involved... Uh, interaction between animals, and but no, we decided to uh, use uh, footage that was shot by professionals in in the in the, rega- in the realm of animal photography, because that's a very complex issue, and and we couldn't, and yeah, it's 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 it's, a, it's not it's not easy at all. So it, and uh, it, it, it to get a, a shot, for example, of a jaguar, it can be months of work. So we decided to to use the the work of other people who are specialized in that
0: there there's a very emblematic shot of a of a uh, snake giving birth uh giving live birth um early in the film and i wonder if if then that's your crew shooting that or that too is is uh, footage that you gained.
2: No, that, that was shot by professionals. Yeah, by p- professionals in animal shooting. In order to get that shot, you need months of work like I said, you know, it's.
0: But but those different shots really add to the atmosphere of the film and do bring the jungle into the film in a very present way like a character.
2: Yes, that's what's the idea. Uh, when when I started working on the script, I wanted it to have the feeling of an Amazonian myth, an Amazonian tale. And uh, when we when we went, uh, as we as, as the script developed, we realized that uh, there had to be moments that in which lo- the logic of the film uh, expanded, and you know, to include other logics of storytelling, which is our, which, which is something that happens a lot in Amazonian storytelling. So yes, it's a script. It's an it's a, and the film is trying to build a bridge between different ways of storytelling. You know, the Amazonian way in which, for example, animals are characters. Uh, important characters and there's shape shifting and there's transformation and how to and, and there are several times dialoging uh, in a dialogue at the same time and how that how to put that in dialogue with our traditions making a story that people can understand that people can relate to that can be exciting and moving at the same time.
0: You and your crew are not just brave enough to go into the Amazon to shoot, but also um, brave that you decided to make the film in black and white.
2: Uh, yes, it's uh, it was something that was very clear from the beginning that uh, the film had to be shot in this manner. Uh, the film was inspired not only by the diaries of the explorers that went around the Colombian Amazon, but also their, their images that they took. They took these very beautiful photographic plagues. And when I saw them, I realized that, uh, that the Amazon that you see in those images, in those black and white images, are is a completely different Amazon than the Amazon that you have in your head. It's completely devoid of all the exuberance and exoticism that you usually associate with the Amazon. And it looks like a different world, like a different time speaking to you through those images. And also, the film is speaking about something which is a limited perception. Indigenous people in the Amazon believe that if you only believe what your eyes and your senses tell you, you're missing out on a big portion of the world which is something that uh, science has proven you know we would need a lot more senses than what the ones we have in order to to capture to feel everything that that it that exists so this idea of a limited perception uh, that eventually opens up uh, became crucial to the development of the film and the story
0: this is the first film from colombia nominated for a us academy award so do you feel some responsibility to uh, filmmakers in your home country. Um, it's just a great honor
2: that uh, it was. A, the last past year was a great year for Colombian cinema. There were many strong films, and they were that one that had a very spe- good, uh, were very well received and won awards in the major international film festivals, and that were very successful at home also. So uh, to be selected for the Oscars just from Colombia was already a big honor. And uh, when, when, the, when the film came, when the nominations came through and we were a part of it, it was just a... I think it's a recognition to the to the journey uh, that has uh, been for Colombian cinema in the last years. You know, it's a cinema that is young, that is developing, and it's full of very creative people, and it has a lot of stories to tell that have not been told. So I'm just uh, honoured to be a part of this uh, generation of Colombian filmmakers, and hopefully uh, this... Uh, this nomination will help us to to gain more visibility for, for our cinema around the world.
0: We should also mention that the film won an award at Cannes, and so it's also been recognized on the international stage among other awards. I wonder if there's anything else about the film that you think you'd like to share with the audience.
2: Yes, it's a, it's a film that is going to take you to a very faraway place, to a very f- remote region in which cinema... Uh, works like a magic eye that opens our perception to o- other ways of thinking, other ways of understanding the world. It's a film that it's uh, it's both an adventure, but also, also a spiritual adventure. It's a it's a film that uh, hopefully will uh, entertain you and move you, and also enlighten you in the in the, in the different ways that exist of, of of being human and and relating to not only to the environment but to yourself and to others.
0: Thank you so much. Our guest today on Latin Pulse, director Ciro Guerra, joining us via Skype from Bogota, Colombia. He is the director of the Academy Award nominated film Embrace of the Serpent. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you very much, Rick. And you're all invited. Hopefully you will enjoy the film.
0: Coming up, our exploration of Latin American cinema isn't done yet. We'll be discussing Brazilian films. So stay with us.
1: This planet we call Earth, abundant with new food, new cures, new life, an amazing place. Please don't let it vanish without a trace. Call for your free World Wildlife Fund action kit with 10 simple things you can do to help leave our children a living planet. Call -CALL
0: 1-800-CALL-WWF. Welcome back to Latin Pulse. As part of our focus this week on Latin American cinema, we again turn to Kathy Corley at Webster University for her insights on Brazilian films. Here's the second part of our interview, recorded on location at the university's campus in the St. Louis area. Corley shared with us about newer Brazilian films that are worth checking out.
3: Well, another film that I think is really a very strong film is Casa Grande, and it's directed by Felipe Barbosa. Uh, This film actually got funding from the Sundance Feature Film Program and the Sundance Institute and also some support from the Miami International Film Festival. And nearly everyone who reviewed this movie brings up a very famous work of anthropology by Gilberto Freire. And the book was written in the 1930s. And in Portuguese, it's called Casa Grande e Senzala. And in English, the title is usually The Masters and the Slaves. And what Freire does is he looks at the era of the plantation. And he talks about Brazilian culture and society in terms of this context where you have the masters living in Casa Grande or the big house and then the slaves who are living in the slave quarters. And so in Casa Grande what you have, uh, it's an interesting movie because on one level it can work as a coming of age story about a young teenage boy and his family, it's an upper middle class family in Rio, his relationship with the domestic workers that work in his family's home, uh, his classmates, how he falls in love with a young teenage girl, and yet it really explores the whole notion of class and race in many uh, different ways in the film. Uh, One of the themes that is explored throughout the movie is the use of quotas or an affirmative action program In higher education because you've got these teenagers getting ready to go off to college and there's a very interesting point in the movie where the teenagers and the adults are all sitting in a room eating and they get into this discussion about the quota system and you get to see these different perspectives from this new generation and younger people and then you also see the perspectives of the older people in the room who are not part of this and are very suspicious of it
0: tell us a little bit about that because that has been very controversial in, in trying to create more equity in the Brazilian education system. Um, can you give us some insights into the discussion through the film?
3: I think what's interesting in this film is to see a younger generation's perspective on it, especially someone who is going to benefit from this. And then the suspicion of an older generation who would say and, and you hear this kind of thing. It's not just Brazil, it's anywhere. It's in the United States, like, you know, you should um, accomplish things on your own, and why do you need extra help to do something like that? But when you're talking about income inequality, racial injustice that's been going on for centuries, it's a measure to try to balance things and to bring a society forward to progress.
0: And and so both this film and The Second Mother have these racial themes that are bubbling underneath. Are they really the central part of the story? Are they just... Accepted as as part of the milieu, the atmosphere of of what's going on inside these films.
3: I think in some scenes they're central, but I think they're always an undercurrent throughout the movies uh, because of the characters, because your identity is based on your social milieu and where you come from. And also it's going to be based on your race, you know, in terms of levels of privilege. So I think those themes are always going to be there
0: what else about the plot in this what what makes this different this also brings up the the issue of of um workers who are working in the homes of richer folks um just like the second mother but yet there's a there these are films that are distinguished from each other they take a very different point of view
3: right well they have some it's interesting both of them are somewhat autobiographical um in uh, the second mother, uh, the director actually had the idea 20 years ago or so when she first had to go back to work after giving birth and having to deal with uh, getting help and assistance to do this. And then two decades later, writing the script and realizing that things have not really changed all that much. Well, what's interesting about Casa Grande is the director was up studying at Columbia and uh, one of the parts, I don't want to give away too much about the plot, but part of it is about his father is in the financial sector that's his line of business and his family goes bankrupt and his father is trying to cover this up and so something like this happened to the director in terms of his own personal life so you see the fact that you can be in that upper one percent but it can just vanish with hedge fund investments that go wrong and things so this talks more about that impact of the financial uh, environment and how they can have an impact and how things can change so quickly and and how much they stand to lose and um, Jean, the lead character, the young teenage boy, has relationships of different ways with the different uh, domestic workers that uh, work in his uh, family's uh, household and especially has a relationship with a driver and several of the members of the household are dismissed one by one because they really can't afford to keep them, and they may be dismissed under false pretext in terms of what they tell their children, why they're dismissing the workers, and why they're just leaving. So that's a very interesting aspect of uh, being in a power situation and then losing power because the financial circumstances change. What about the third film? Okay, the third film, uh, this is called Neighboring Sounds, and um, it's the first feature narrative film by Kleber Mendonca Filio. And uh, he's a former film critic and he actually lives in the neighborhood where this movie was made. Uh, this is in the city of Recife, which is in uh, northeast Brazil. And the t- original title of this movie is O Osão Arredor, or the sound around. Uh, so the translation that the distributors, I suppose, gave to the movie is neighboring sounds. So it's sounds that surround you. And, um, it's interesting, with this movie, it starts out with a montage sequence, and they're all historical older photos, and they're all campesinos. They're all people who had worked in Pernambuco, which is you know, the area where uh, Hisifi is located, and these are all very low-income workers and you're not sure why you're seeing all this at the, at the beginning because you just see this montage of photos but later on in the film you realize this connects up with one of the characters and, and the underlying theme of the movie as well um, unlike the other movies this is more of an ensemble acting kind of piece, think maybe Robert Altman perhaps, because you have multiple characters and you go in and out of the various characters' lives. They all intersect because they're all in this area and some are actually related to each other, but it's an ensemble uh, uh, performance. and So essentially it focuses on people who live in this high-rise condo in Hecifi. And a turning point in the movie comes where an outside agency steps into their neighborhood one day, and they say, we think you need more security, so we're offering our services to be your private security force for your neighborhood block, and you can all chip in on this. So they agree, and this group sets up shop on their street corner, and that of course changes things because like uh... with the second mother when you have an outside element coming in especially with the narrative it's a catalyst for change and uh... sets things in motion uh... but again uh... the themes of class the themes of race come up very strongly in this movie as well uh... one of the things i like the most about the movie in addition to the acting well actually there's several things visually it's very stunning uh... the architecture and the vistas that you see of Hesifi are wonderful and the way he frames things within these apartments because when you think about it actually all three of these movies a good deal of the action happens in the home where these families are and that's a big challenge for a director to actually do interesting visual things and all three of them uh, certainly perform well in that area and so what I think is uh, amazing about this movie is there several scenes where you look out from a window or a balcony and you see this incredible modern architecture or you might see the ocean in the distance or you might see a favela and it all coexists all together in that same space and the movie talks a lot when you realize one of the characters uh, actually headed a sugar mill and that's where the money comes from he's the master so to speak uh, if you want to use these analogies
0: how do you see that these themes of race and class play through in this particular film?
3: What I think is interesting about it is that while you have distinctions between people who are financially well off and people who are not, and there's also a character who's one of the security guards who is more Afro Brazilian, and there's very distinct differences in terms of how people relate. Uh, to that character. What I think is the commonality is this notion of fear and wanting security and one of the things that I wanted to mention that I really liked about the movie in addition to the acting and the visual elements is the sound design of the movie. The word sound occurs in any of the titles, uh, whatever language, and the director worked with another filmmaker and a DJ to create. It's really a soundscape and even though there are songs that are recognizable songs in the film, in terms of a soundtrack, they create this incredible soundscape where in the background you hear noises, but you're not sure exactly what you're hearing. You're not sure if you should be alarmed by what you're hearing, and it creates this level of anxiety and fear of your own safety. And I think that's something that affects someone, whether you live in a high-rise condo condo or a favela.
0: Thanks so much. Our guest today on Latin Pulse, Kathy Corley of Webster University, thanks for joining us.
3: Muito obrigado, Rick.
0: Thanks for joining us for our Focus on Latin American Cinema. If you'd like to send us your suggestions or comments, you may leave us a message online via SoundCloud, or you may write us via email. You can find us at latinpulse at gmx.com. That's latinpulse, all one word, at gmx.com. If you're looking for earlier editions of Latin Pulse, we're available in various locations on the web, including iTunes, Facebook, and Henti Flow. Latin Pulse is also now available through the website Latin America Goes Global. You can find that website at Latin America Goes Global, written as all one word. dot org. And as always, you can find us in the Brazilian online game Mini Mundos to see the Latin Pulse archives of video programs on Latin America. You can check out Link TV's website can find it at linktvalloneword.org and then slash Latin-pulse. That's linktv dot org slash Latin-pulse. Thanks for joining us this week on Latin Pulse for our entire team, associate producer Natalie Oniger and technical director Jim Singer. I'm Rick Rockwell. Escuchan otra vez Gracias por su tiempo. Latin Pulse is produced at the School of Communications at Webster University, the Global University, headquartered in St. Louis, Missouri, with music copyright support through Webster University and Link TV. This program
3: is copyright 2016 Las Rocas Productions.